All right. Y'all ready to receive from the word of God tonight? Meeting the conditions. God is an if then type of God. He says, if you will do this, then I will do this. Praise God. Salvation. We did not have to earn it, but we did have to ask for it. We did have to receive it. Um, but once we get into the word of God, once we start walking in the word, you know, he requires that we walk. We've seen over the last few weeks that in order to receive his blessings, part of the main condition of receiving his blessings is number one, we have to fear the Lord. You want to go read about blessings, go read about the fear of the Lord. Go see what it says about those that fear the Lord. Go see what precedes that or comes after it or before it. Fearing the Lord. The fearing the Lord is the beginning of all wisdom. Fearing the Lord, seeking the Lord, and walking uprightly. We meet those conditions and He will meet the answer to those conditions every time. Amen? Amen. Last time we started looking at God's way of deliverance from the curse of poverty. And one of the great basic truths of Revelation is that on the cross, a divinely ordained exchange, ordained exchange took place. Jesus, the sinless, spotless lamb, obedient son of God, took upon himself all the evil that mankind should should have taken by divine justice because of our rebellion and our disobedience. He took it all that we in turn, in return through faith, are able to receive all the good that Jesus was due for the way that he walked here on earth. Bertie Britt, who I heard was back in town, what he always said is it's the almost too good to be true gospel. It's, it's almost so great you can't understand it because it's so great. It's overwhelming. It's just like singing that song that how he loves, you know, if we will allow ourselves to be moved by God, he will, he will change our whole perspective. If we'll allow ourselves to look, look at him, to seek after him, if we will allow ourselves to let the word start to change us, he'll do things in our lives that, number one, we never could. The world never can. He'll give you breakthrough that won't, that won't be shaken it will be real. It won't be a quick fix. It won't be an instant gratification like coffee and, and, and uh, uh, caffeine. It will last. And it doesn't have a hangover effect either. The world stuff has, has effects. Negative effects. God's is pure. It's pure good. There are good things about coffee. Amen. And we don't really care about the bad things until after the good's worn off. Coffee's good, I mean, it, but it's not absolute good. God's blessing is absolute good. It's good. And let me tell you, God is not stingy. He doesn't just give enough. He gives enough and more. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 8. God is able to make all grace abound toward you that ye always having all sufficiency in all things may abound to every or all good work. 
In this verse, there are two abounds and five alls. He's able to do it all. Everybody say all. How much more clear can it be? Having all sufficiency in all things may abound to every good work. This is a description here of God's grace. It's interesting though that both in chapters 8 and chapters chapter 9 of 2 Corinthians, which deal with money, the key word in this scripture when he's dealing with money is grace. Occurring seven times in chapter 8 and twice in chapter 9. Clearly, it's grace that operates in the realm of money. So few Christians realize that this applies in the realm of financial and material provision just as much as any other area in our life. When we think of grace, we normally don't think of money. But in, in Scripture, in 2 Corinthians, it shows us that grace and finances are connected. God's grace. But we've seen that there are conditions that Scriptures warn us against. Scripture warns us against irresponsibility. You can find that in Proverbs chapter 10, verse 4. Scripture warns us about laziness. Proverbs 24, verses 30 through 34. And dishonesty, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 28. And as long as we are guilty of these sins, we have no right to expect the grace of God at work in our finances. What were those again? Dishonesty, laziness, irresponsibility. God requires us to be diligent, to be faithful, to endure, to work. Since if you don't work, you don't eat. It doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure that one out. All of our hard work and responsibility in itself does not earn us the kind of provision that we're talking about here. This kind of provision cannot be earned. It can be only received by grace through faith. God's grace, when we receive it by faith, lifts us to a higher level than we could ever earn or deserve. This is true in every area of our life, the financial, the material, and no less the spiritual. And as we start to dig into this truth, it wants to lead us into a logical distinction, one that's a lot of times that's overlooked. It's the distinction between earning God's grace, which is impossible, and meeting God's conditions, which we are obligated to. Now, I know for a moment there, someone was thinking, well, pastor, you're talking out of both ends of your mouth. We can't earn the provision. When we get into that realm of, of, of receiving from God by grace through faith, let me tell you, it becomes, it becomes a level that we're not capable of really grasping. His multiplication tables are not ours. I, I don't have the figures tonight, but if you can just grasp the size of our universe, just the size of our universe, and to realize there are billions of universes, 
Okay, now try to try to do the math. Try to try to do, explain a light year and how fast light can travel. And how it says in scripture that he holds the, the universe in his in the span of his hand. Okay, can, can we just for a moment be awed by God? Why not? Why not? Why not be wooed? Why not let your let your heart be touched one time? On one hand, we can't earn God's abundance, which comes only through grace. On the other hand, we're required to meet certain conditions that God has laid out. That God has laid down for receiving His abundance through faith. If we don't meet the conditions, our faith has no scriptural foundation. Did y'all catch that? This is where the, the, the promise of the word, when we line up with the word, meets our faith. Because when our faith agrees with scripture, this is true faith. The, this whole thing that we've been talking on Sunday, that if we don't know the word, how can we ever step forward? We have to know the word. We've been talking about the blood of Jesus and how can we access the power of the blood of Jesus? How can we overcome Satan by the blood of the lamb and by the word of the testimony? Do you remember? Our testimony has to speak of what the blood has done and is doing for us in our life. Well, if you can't speak according to Scripture about His blood, how can you overcome Satan? Now, the provision has been given to overcome Satan, but do we always walk in it? Does anybody here ever get attacked by Satan and lose? That's not God's design. God's design is for you to win. If we war according to his word and his kingdom, we will win. But we have to access. Do you see this? That, that even though we can't, we can't earn God's grace, we can't earn this really this full provision, the only way is by faith, receiving by faith. Well, what is faith? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. It's when we start to put into action his word. What is us putting into action his word? Following his conditions. When we follow his conditions, I believe our faith is released. That is faith at work. Faith without works is dead. What is faith without works? In my opinion, faith is jumping off when I don't know who's going to catch me, but trusting that God is going to catch me, even though it looks like I'm going to die according to his word. But I've got to jump. If I don't jump, did I have faith? Well, whoever, who will ever know? But when I walk according to his conditions and according to his word, what is that saying to God? God, I believe that when I do this, that you're going to respond. What is that? That's faith. So it's so easy to get into this grace argument. But we receive grace. We receive by faith. We re receive 
by, through, through faith, by grace. By grace, what am I trying to say? We must receive by grace through faith. That's the only way. How do we do that? By walking out His Word. By fearing Him, by seeking Him, and by walking. I feel like um, world, world planets are aligning. If we can realize we cannot work our way to heaven, we cannot earn what it is that God has, but the way that we receive is by trusting Him, knowing His Word, and trusting that as we walk this out that He's going to do it. Does it feel like there's a little hook in it? Well, God's an if-then. There is a hook. Follow my plan. I've laid out the plan for you. Can anybody follow an instruction manual? It's there. Nobody said it was always going to be easy. Warring against your flesh is hard. It's hard. But not one thing that you face are you not strong enough to get through. You are. You are. Now, I have just spent... I, I, that, was, that was just a complete... That wasn't a tangent. I believe that was right on target. We have got to get this by grace through faith. We've got to get this by grace through faith, which means we've got to have the Word. We've got to start walking in it, expecting the return. That is not... Selfish, prideful, it is trusting in God for your answers, not the stock market, not your job, not your boss, not your spouse, God. What, what, again, I, I, I don't, what happens, there is a law that when you put seed in the ground in good soil, it's going to bring forth a return, a multiple return. Well, when you allow this seed to go in, it is going to bring a return. You know, it says that my word shall not return void, but accomplish what it was set forth to do. So I believe that regardless of your circumstance, if you will get in this word, it will bring forth a return. All right. Now, there are five conditions that I've got for receiving God's abundance. I'm going to try very hard in 10 minutes to do the first one. The conditions for receiving. What are the conditions for receiving God's abundance? Number one, our motives and attitudes must be right. It would be so good if we would stop for a moment and examine our motives very carefully because wealth is a big source of temptation for wrong motives. Amen? What are some of these wrong motives? Number one, it's wrong to make wealth our God. 
It's wrong to make wealth our God. First Timothy chapter six, verse 10 says, for the love of money is a root of all evil. The King James says the root of all evil is the root of all evil. The Greek actually says the love of money is a root of all evil. So out of that evil love of money, that covetousness, all forms of evil can spring forth in our lives. The love of money is a root of all evil. Now, don't miss this. This gets so out of whack sometimes. Money is not evil. Money is good. We need money. God's kingdom, our king, the kingdom here on this earth, the way the earth runs is by money. It always has been. Right? We need money. It's the love of money. And I know that you all, I, I, would, get, I would venture to say 100% of us at some point stepped over into that realm of a love for money. I have. More than once. It, it's, it's a regular battle. Because we need it. We want things. And sometimes that want will overtake any other thought that you got. And it'll drive you to do things that you would never do in any other circumstance. You'll figure out some way to get what it is that you want. So, enough of that. Love of money is the root of all evil. What else is it wrong? What else is wrong attitudes? It's wrong to seek wealth by unethical means. Proverbs 28 verse 8 says, One who increases his possessions by usury or extortion and extortion gathers it for him who will pity the poor. When you get your money using it the wrong way, you are gathering it for someone who's going to use it the right way. Well, I can tell you the money that I gather, I want to get to use it. The money that God blesses me with, I want to be the one to spend it (laughs) or invest it. Amen? You might acquire a lot of money for yourself but by crooked means, but ultimately it will be taken from you and given to a man that will pity the poor. There are laws that govern the utilization of money just as certain as there are laws that govern the cultivation of crops that we plant in the earth. Next one. What's another bad attitude? It's wrong to trust in wealth. Our nation has experienced this in the last five years very painfully. Proverbs eleven twenty eight says, He that trusts in riches will fall. That's a pretty straightforward statement, isn't it? You know, we've seen this. Jeremiah chapter 9, verse 23 and 24 says, Let not the wise man glory in his wisdom. Let not the mighty man glory in his might. Nor let the rich man glory in his riches. But let him who glories glory in this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord, exercising loving kindness, judgment, and righteousness in the earth. You want to brag about something? Brag about the Lord. And it says, brag about that you understand and know Him. 
That's the kind of boasting that the Lord allows. You know, it says in Scripture that if you boast about certain things, that's the only reward. The response you get from the people you boast for, from is the only reward you're going to get. You're not going to get the reward for the good deed that you did. The only reward you're going to get is people patting you on the back saying, well, good job. That's not the reward I want. I want the kingdom reward. I want the kingdom reward. When I follow God's word and what he says and what he does, I don't want to ruin that by my mouth. I want to receive the blessing. Well, what can I glory in? What can I say? What can I say? Do you know how great God is? God has rescued us at so many turns in relationship, in finances, in our church. Joe McGee said this last time that we were here, and he said this more than once. He said, Paul, there is no reason why that church didn't go under more than once. I can't tell you why it didn't, but it didn't. God is doing something here. He is doing something here right now. Right now, with where we are right now as a church and as a staff, we're on the blood of Jesus. We are pursuing Him. I, am, I, I think that we as a church are trying our best to walk, to love, to pursue. I want you to know God's doing great things. He's doing miracles. He's make, giving provision. If you want to boast, boast in that you understand and know Him. Well, you need to know Him before you can boast about it. Right? What's going to happen if you can boast about knowing Him, if you really know Him? Well, all these blessings are going to start finding you and overtaking you. And what's that going to make you do? Boast a little bit more. Do it some more, God. We've got to be careful not to boast or glory in wisdom or strength and riches. They all may be good things, but we had better not take credit for them. Next, it's wrong to use wealth selfishly. Proverbs eleven twenty four says, There is one who scatters, yet increases more, and there is one who withholds more than is right, but it leads to poverty. Now, run this one through your theology. There are people that are always giving that keep getting more. And there are those that never give and never have enough. There is a law of giving and receiving. It's a kingdom law. Luke 12, Jesus tells the parable of the rich man who built bigger barns and filled them with produce. But look what the Lord said to him in Luke 12, verse 20, chapter Chapter 12, verse 20. Thou fool, this night your soul will be required of you. That's not, that's not, a, good, that's not a good statement. <laughs> then Jesus added this comment, verse 21. So he who lays up a treasure for himself, so is he who lays up a treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. This is the first direction in which we need to be rich. And that's toward God. Rich toward God. Now we've looked at four attitudes so far. All about wealth. But let's look at one more. And we're going to stay here just a little bit longer. And I'm going to close right here with this one. The Bible is cons he consistently warns us against 
despising or exploiting the poor. There are a lot of scriptures on this subject, but let's look at some from Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 19 says, He who has pity on the poor lends to the Lord. And he, capital he, will pay back what he has given. Proverbs 28, verse 27. He who gives to the poor will not lack, but he who hides his eyes will have many curses. Now, this just took it to a whole nother level. Not only are you going to come up short in your finances when you ignore or exploit the poor, now it says, we'll have many curses. You say, yeah, but Jesus was the curse. Jesus is the curse for me. But when you do not start walking in His grace by faith, you get out from under that protection. We got to stay under it. As long as we stay under it, what, what is this? As long as we stay inside the house that is covered by the blood of the Lamb, we are protected. The moment we get out from under it, hey, we're Satan's, we're, 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 we're Satan's game. We're on his playing field. Satan is still in the earth. We still have battles. Twenty-nine, verse seven: The righteous consider the cause of the poor, but the wicked does not understand such knowledge. It puts a huge responsibility upon us not to be indifferent, but that we are to have concerns for the needs of the poor. One mark of righteousness is one that considers the cause of the poor. One mark of wickedness is that we do not understand such knowledge. We just turn our eyes. Now there's a reward in connection for caring for the poor. When we give to the poor, Solomon tells us we are lending to the Lord. Let me tell you, when God pays back a loan, he doesn't just give the principal, he gives interest. Psalm 112 paints the picture of the man who fears the Lord and the blessing that he enjoys. It's worthwhile to look at this for the moment. Let's just, let's just look at a couple scriptures. I've kind of pieced together a few scriptures right here. It says, this is from uh, 100, Psalm 112, verses 3, 5, and 6, and 9. It says, wealth and riches are in his house, and his righteousness endures forever. Wealth and riches are in his house. It's well with the man who is gracious and lends, for he will never be shaken. The righteous will be remembered forever. He has given freely to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 9, Paul applies this verse specifically to us as Christians. There are three elements here. Righteousness, wealth, and generosity. Unshakable righteousness, wealth, and generosity to the poor. The New Testament considers this a requirement, an essential part of Christian righteousness. Galatians chapter 2, verse 1 through 10, Paul describes the confrontation that he had with Peter and James and John concerning the way that the gospel was to be presented to the Gentiles. The tension was eventually resolved 
but in all their differences, one thing was agreed upon. Their attitude toward the poor. Unanimous, remember the poor. It is an essential part of the gospel message. Regardless of the group that you're confronted with. Now, I'm finally going to close. We've got to guard against wrong motives, making wealth our God by unethical means, trusting in wealth, and using wealth selfishly. But it is so important about our attitude not to despise or oppose people that are in need. And church, our church has, has, has a good program. It's not perfect for helping the needy. But I want you to know, this scripture is not talking about the church office and staff. It's talking about the church. Us. When we're out in public, when we're out being salt. You know what helping the poor is, is salting the earth. So we can't dismiss and place this whole responsibility on me. It's on us. It's on us. This group right here can reach far more than I can reach. Okay? So I'm not trying to cop out at all. No. We, we deal with this every day, multiple times a day. If you've ever been in our office, you've, if you spend 15, 20 minutes there, someone will come in. You'll see a situation that, that we have to walk through. And that's fine. Great. That's what the church is for. But let's place this. Are, are, you, are you desiring being blessed by God? Give. Help somebody. And you know what? Talk to God about it. He loves to be reminded of His Word. God, I just did this and I didn't have it to give. Help make my ends meet and meet them abundantly in the name of Jesus. I feel like I just gave to somebody that was in need. They're not going to use it for alcohol or drugs. I believe they're going to use it the right way. I can't control it. Lord, I just gave out of my heart. I believe it's right. Your Word says to help the poor. It doesn't say, this. It doesn't say the poor saved. It says the poor I helped according to your word. Now, Lord, I'm going to trust that you're going to meet my need. It says that when I give, it's like I'm, I'm lending to you. And it says in your word that you will repay it. Well, I've got nothing to lose. Be blessed with this. I needed this for, for my grocery shopping, but I'm not trying to say give your grocery money. I'm just saying be allow yourself to be led by the Lord. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you for your word. I thank you for your power. Lord, I thank you for your rescuing hand. And Lord, I ask you right now that we would begin to receive by grace through faith. Lord, that this word that we have heard tonight, Lord, would take action tomorrow. Would take action tonight. Lord, and that action is faith. That action is faith. And Lord, you are pleased by faith. 
And Lord, we, we expect by faith that you do what you say you'll do when we do what you tell us to do. Thank you, Father, for your rescuing hand over this church, over these people here. I just pray provision in the name of Jesus over this group right here. In Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. I hope you have a great rest of the week. Don't forget, Sunday morning, we've got a special speaker, Robert Owens, and we've got United Voices of Praise going to be here. It is so much fun when they all come. We'll see you Sunday morning.